Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Nancy Newkirk with F&N Ranch in Lexington, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas sugarcane crop is struggling with a lack of water. We'll head down to the Rio Grande Valley for an update on the sugarcane crop coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As the summer crop season draws to a close, it's been a tough one in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and I'll bring you an update on Texas Ag Today. Just ahead, an assessment of the nation's cattle market from the CEO of Cattle Facts. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Well, the heat this summer was brutal as well as the drought. So we're going to talk about the effects that it had on plants. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about plant recovery in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The sugarcane crop in the Rio Grande Valley is growing and moving towards maturity. Sam Simmons grows cane in the valley. He says the condition of the crop depends on how much water was available. It largely depends on whether or not people bought water from out of district and brought it in. The growers that managed to secure water, and it was sparse, they're doing all right. I think overall our yields are going to be down a little bit due to just the lack of irrigation water. The further west you get, they're a little harder hit. Some districts have held up better than others. It largely depends on whether or not they built their infrastructure up and they don't require as much push water to deliver to farmers. But there are some that are rapidly approaching zero allocation. Going forward, that's going to be an issue. Simmons says the future of sugarcane in the valley is not very bright right now. He sees some growers taking acreage out of production. I don't see there being quite the acres that we usually have. In fact, some people are taking out their cane, uh, stuff that's only a couple years old, whereas typically you would keep that for four to five years, try to get as much out of it as possible. Last year, there were about 31,000 acres of sugarcane grown here in Texas, with all of it in the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas sheep and goat market has seen some ups and some downs here in 2023. We checked in with Benny Cox, who runs the nation's largest sheep and goat market at Producers Livestock in San Angelo. 
We've had a lot of, of animals that have been in really good flesh up to this point. And, and, and the demand has stayed good. And, and, and in my opinion, the market's awful good. We've seen some, we've seen some up and downs the last six weeks. Uh, we had an ethnic holiday that was uh, uh, actually on the 28th of uh, June. Uh, the market was fabulous for about three weeks before that with that demand. Uh, and the market's fallen off sometime, you know, and past has fallen off a good deal. Uh, and it generally does this time of the year. But generally, you know, the nights are getting longer. It's going to cool down and we're going to see a little uptick in this market. Cox says Texas has a 100 percent ethnically driven market with prices moving both before and after the major ethnic holidays. USDA is extending the application deadline for the milk loss program to Monday, October 30th. That will allow more time for eligible dairy farmers to apply for much-needed weather-related disaster recovery assistance. The program compensates dairy producers who, because of a qualifying weather event, had to dump or remove milk without compensation from the commercial milk market in calendar years 2020, 2021, and 2022. It has been a tough summer for row crops in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has an update from Amarillo. Over the weekend, we experienced the first freezes of this fall around much of the region, with early morning temperatures dipping into the upper 20s in some cases. I asked local agronomist Russell French for his thoughts on how the chill might have impacted any summer crops still out in the field. Well, we had some late planted crops like grain sorghum, uh, some uh, forage sorghums and stuff that could have been affected a little bit. You know, it has to get a pretty hard freeze to really shut the plants down. So I don't know, we might see some discoloration on some upper leaves and stuff, but I don't think we've seen too much damage. And we have returned to warmer temperatures since the weekend, with weather forecasts suggesting we probably won't see any additional freezes in the next few days. Meanwhile, with harvest in full swing, the effects of that major heat and the dry conditions we suffered during the summer is showing up in the fields. Here's French's account of the corn situation. Generally, I would say, talking to my customers and people that I've worked with in the past, you know, grain yields are off about 10% where they were last year, North Amarillo. Uh, I know the silage yields, South Amarillo, where primarily most of the corn is cut for silage, you know, there was off 10 to 25% depending on what area they were in. And as for sorghum, where we could irrigate the sorghum a little bit, it doesn't look too bad. But our dryland sorghum uh, really suffered in some areas. There's a few exceptions, you know, where we caught a rain here and there. But uh, in general, you know, I think our dryland sorghum is going to be not that good, except for a few isolated spots. Cotton also suffered from the harsh summer conditions as well. But on the bright side, French describes our area's winter wheat as being off to the best start he's seen in years. Russell French is the owner of French Agronomics in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cattle market looks great here in the fourth quarter of 2023. Tom Nicoletti got a market update at the recent Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual meeting. My guest today is Randy Block. He is CEO of Cattlefax, and Randy uh, made a presentation to uh, cattle feeders at their recent uh, Texas Cattle Feeders Association uh, convention in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, Randy, what was your main message uh, to the uh, audience about uh, the cattle market as we move forward? Well, Tom, I think the basic message is, is we still haven't stopped shrinking the herd in here we've get, we're in better shape grazing wise and water wise in many areas but 
still our most important cow-calf area is in the Southern Plains. And we still have not stopped liquidation of the nation's beef cow herd there. So we still have got another two to three years of tightening supplies before we can uh, start to rebuild these herds. Yes, uh, green grass not available uh, in uh, a lot of Texas and other regions, uh, Kansas and other regions where the drought has uh, certainly been an impact, uh, but profitability is certainly there. We're seeing the profitability come back. It's been a lean haul for these cow-calf producers. Most of them really haven't made much money since 2016. So you go six, seven years with really uh, not much of a paycheck. It's tough for those folks to... uh, be very optimistic so this is a good positive thing for the industry to finally see those producers get some uh, black ink back in their operations more with randy block ceo of cattlefax on our next program as he discusses the impact of the increasing corn stocks on the cattle market i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network Texas gardens and landscapes are still dealing with the effects of the high summer heat. Horticulturalist John Begno has this report from San Angelo. Well, fall is finally here and we're starting to feel some of the weather and see a little extra rain in certain areas. There's still some pretty dry parts. Texas lakes are showing that for a fact. Well, plants, if you drive across Texas, especially through the hill country and even in East Texas, we see pine trees, cedar trees, cedar elms, hackberries, those pasture-type trees that are stressed severely to the point that they may not recover. Well, we have the same situation in some of our landscapes. If we were short on water and then we had this exceptional warm weather and we've had some serious root loss and stress and some of these plants may not recover. We know we have water conservation measures still in some parts of the state, but we should be using water wisely now, and that's the number one ingredient to growing roots before winter. It's not fertilizer. Throwing fertilizer out on these stressed plants probably can cause more damage than good if we don't watch it. And as far as water goes, now we know that plants use less water, need less water, as temperatures moderate, and we should get some additional rainfall for most areas in the fall, so don't overdo it. When we're watering lawns once a week during the summer, an inch or more, well, we can do half that much. We can go once every two weeks, or we can do a half an inch every week. But we kind of wean these plants just like we would wean a calf, for instance. So start backing down on your water. Your goal eventually in the months of December, January, and February are about one inch of rainfall or irrigation per month. As far as these plants that are going to recover, we may not know the answer to that until next spring. We've seen a lot of these trees that are to the point where they're yellow and now turning brown. They probably will recover if they haven't already shown new growth. And if they do, they'll be so stressed that may not be worth having. So take that all into consideration. Remember now, it's time in October for us to be planting blue bonnets and get situated for a leaf management plan because they'll be falling before very long. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Goose hunting season opens in early November. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have this year's hunting forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the American Quarter Horse Association requires a five-panel genetic test. 
veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The American Quarter Horse Association requires a five-panel genetic test on all stallions. And Dr. Bob Judd says the AQHA recommends it for all quarter horses. Dr. Audrey Kellerman from Florida indicated at the horse publication that horses have 32 pairs of chromosomes, or 64 total. Genes are classified as recessive or dominant. If the animal has only one copy of a recessive gene, they will not show clinical signs, but will still be a carrier. If the animal has two copies of the gene, the disease or trait will appear. If the gene is dominant, only one copy is necessary for the animal to show signs of disease, and if two copies are present, the animal generally may show more serious symptoms of the disease or trait. The five-panel genetic quarter horse test involves testing for glycogen branching enzyme deficiency, or GBED, hereditary equine regional dermat asthenia, or HERDA, hyperkalemic periodic paralysis, or HYPP, malignant hyperthermia, or MH, and polysaccharide storage myopathy, or PSSM. Two of the diseases, GBED and HERDA, are recessive, so even unaffected horses can be carriers. GBED is a disease in which horses cannot use sugars normally, which affects many organs and can lead to death due to weakness and heart attack. HERDA is a serious skin disease with no cure available and most horses are euthanized. The other three diseases are dominant and HYPP occurs when a horse's body cannot manage potassium properly, causing muscle trembling, weakness, and sometimes death. Horses with MH can become very hot, develop muscle disease, and can die from high temperatures in their body. Horses with PSSM are unable to handle carbohydrates and will develop muscle problems and stiffness. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Goose season opens in early November. Jessica Domel has this year's goose hunting forecast in today's wildlife report. 
the white and dark goose hunting season kicks off November 4th. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more on this year's goose hunting prospects. Geese are very, very tied to agricultural environments. So where we find geese in the state of Texas, there's some kind of ag that is attracting them there. Corn, wheat, milo, peanuts, rice. You know, those truly are the four big attractants to geese. They feed in those fields once or twice a day, every day. And so if there's water in those areas, obviously those birds are going to co- concentrate there very highly. And it's kind of a, a known area where these birds are. And unfortunately, especially on our Texas coast, we're seeing dramatic declines in birds coming overwintering in Texas, enough so that we're beginning to start asking hunters and ourselves questions about the future management in geese in Texas if we need to start taking some action to consider these substantial declines. Some species are doing quite well. Things like cackling geese, small Canada goose that primarily winters in the Texas panhandle is doing very, very well. Hunters are having great success there. White-fronted geese, although continentally they're doing okay, we are now counting the fewest we've ever counted in the state of Texas. We barely counted 8,000 geese on the Texas coast last year when we used to count well over a quarter million. And so white geese, all-time low estimate in the state of Texas this past year, uh, barely counted 100,000 geese on the Texas coast, You know, down from like 1.2 million a decade or two ago. So these are the things that we're watching. There's some reproductivity stuff going on with snow geese. They're just not producing like they used to. It's changed. And obviously, there's big white scale distributional shifts, uh, snow geese, white fronts, much like I said earlier, with mallards are, are winning further north and east than, than us. Again, light and dark geese hunting season opens in the east and west zones November 4th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right, and there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher on Tuesday as corn traded lower and on the expectation for beef demand to continue to grow. October live cattle up 30 cents to 185.50. December live cattle up 32 cents to 186.87. 
February live cattle up 35 cents to 191. October feeder cattle up 47 cents to 248.80. November feeder cattle up 52 cents to 250.45. January feeder cattle up $1.27 to 252.80. Boxed beef was higher, choice up 47 cents to 305.14, select up 74 cents to 277.94. Now let's look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, my guest from Producers in Cargill, San Angelo. Jody, how was the Thursday sale? Went pretty good. Uh, pretty similar numbers to what we've been having. 835 hit today compared with last week's sale. Uh, calling these calves and yearlings weak to as much as $5 lower. I would say most of that decline coming on the lesser quality offering. Some of them really good choice quality calves we're trying to sell about steady. Slaughter cows and bulls saw some improvement on those. $1 to $3 higher. Most of that improvement would have come on the fleshy and heavyweight uh, high yielding cows and bulls. Another other limited supply of replacement type cows sold about steady. Better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from two dollars all the way up to a high of near two eighty, mostly two twenty to two forty five. Five all the way up to a high of near two fifty, mostly two dollars to two twenty five. Slaughter cows average to high yielding seventy five to ninety five. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from ninety six all the way to a high of one oh six. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from eighty eight to one oh eight. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from one ten to a high of 125 bred cows and two-year-olds just a few singles and small groups of those young to middle-aged cows medium bred from 1050 to a high of 1500 sounds like you had a good sale what was the count 835 today 835 now what do you anticipate next week well we broke that 6,000 mark just barely on tuesday and and it was enough uh that old nanny goat market was depressed but uh the lamb market's trying to improve uh i would look for another five to six thousand head no rain in our forecast uh on tuesday and then thursday we'll bounce back and should have somewhere 800 850 head again next thursday Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. The office number is 325-653-3371. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble, Jody Fry, my guest. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. December lean hogs fell 75 cents Tuesday to 67.55. February lean hogs down a dollar and two cents to 72.05. Block cheese rose 0.25 cents Tuesday to a dollar 70. Barrel cheese rose 0.25 cents to a dollar 64. Dry whey increased three and a half cents to 37 cents. That movement in dry whey lent support to Class Three milk. October Class Three milk up two cents to 16.83 a hundred weight. November Class Three milk up 42 cents to 17.81 a hundredweight. We saw triple-digit losses in the cotton market on Tuesday due to diminishing crop and poor demand. December cotton down 192 points to 83.23. March cotton down 162 points to 85.43. May cotton down 147 points to 86.79. Corn traded lower on Tuesday due to harvest pressure. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 45% of the U.S. crop has been harvested. That is ahead of the five-year average. 53% of the crop is rated good to excellent. December corn down 1 to 489. March corn down 1 and a quarter to 503 and 3 quarters. May corn down 1 and a half to 511 and a quarter. December hard red wheat down two to six sixty six and three quarters. March hard red wheat down two and a quarter to six seventy five and three quarters. May hard red wheat down two and three quarters to six eighty one and a half. 
November soybeans up 10 and a half to 12.96 and three quarters. November natural gas fell two cents Tuesday to 3.08. December natural gas down a penny to 3.46. November crude oil rose a penny Tuesday to 86.67 a barrel. December crude oil up 21 cents to 85.47 a barrel. The Dow fell 48 points to 33,935. The S&P 500 down 5 to 4,368, and the NASDAQ down 38 to 13,529. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.